everybody. Welcome to another Haas Talks Foss. We're here with Heinrich Ingo today to talk specifically about his journey in the open source space. He's currently the VP of Engineering in EMEA for Datastax. Before that, he worked at MongoDB, MariaDB, and MySQL. So we're really looking forward to hearing his thoughts on all things open source. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Heinrich, Hi. it's been a really long time since we've chatted, right? So I, I think Hi. it's been like four years. Maybe more, I think. Maybe more. I, I was yeah. at MongoDB seven years uh, since uh, that's when I left the MySQL community. Wow. Yes. Yeah. So you you were a long time MongoDB user. Yeah. What, why don't you catch us up? Uh, what have you been up to? You know, I know we were, worked together when we were at MySQL and then it kind of turned into Sun and then, you know, Oracle and then that whole, you know, movement there. But what have you been working on? So, uh, so I, I never worked at Oracle. I was I was quick enough to to be at MariaDB before yeah. that happened. But uh, but the, that, those were still the years. I, I actually sometimes when I summarize my like CV, if I do job interviews, I I, I kind of lump together five years of MySQL. Even though we ended up having many of us ended up having many employers during those years. And, uh, uh, so, so Maria Divi and, and fondly remember Galera. And I, I oh, think, yes. uh, uh, I, I think that, uh, at, at the end of that, uh, it was actually a week before I started at MongoDB was a Perkana live conference. And of course I, I was quite active, uh, in those when, when you essentially took over, uh, the, the main MySQL community conference of the year that that was important work, I think for the community. I'm glad to see it going still, and uh, and then I yeah then I've spent seven years at MongoDB. I I actually was in a Percona live at London. Maybe we have met there. Yeah, yeah, 2014 I th- I maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think we did when you were. I think you were at Mongo and you you came to to hang yeah. out. Yeah, and and that that was fun. I was I, I somebody else was supposed to give it uh, and uh, I, I got uh, called. Uh, and I was just for other reasons in London that time, so I volunteered. That, yeah, you know, I'm I'm happy to go <laughs> to Precon Alive. You know, yeah. sounds like a good conference. I've never been there before. No, uh, and I mean we, we're still doing it this year, right? Yeah. So it's coming up. Yeah. Um, shameless plug. Good. CFP. Good. You promised not to do that. <laughs> oh, I did. Oh, well, it's it's a, it's a community thing, right? It's it's a shameless yeah. plug for a community thing. Um, we, we, but, I, but, we, we will allow it, but uh, but yeah. So I, I I actually I remember two things from that conference. One was uh, uh, it, it was uh, about uh, schema design in MongoDB, and and it was a great session because like all the very uh, experienced uh, MySQL guys who basically you know knew all the other talks already from the conference came to this thing because ah finally there is something new that they didn't know anything about, and of course uh, like uh, schema modeling. Uh, in a document database is quite different and, and there is a lot of subjective cho- choices. So we had a lot of interesting conversations. I, I still remember it. The other thing oh, wait, I remember- Wait, 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 that, uh, but, but wait. Yeah. What? Uh, isn't it schema-less? Everything's schema-less now, right? So you don't, you never need a schema. So I, I like the word schema-less. Uh, some, uh, some people think it's like a negative word, but I think it's great. I, I never, I, I never enjoyed defining a schema, to be honest. Uh, but uh, but of course you there is still a structure in the JSON document that you need to plan what things go together and, and so on. Uh, but uh, but it is it is more flexible. So actually that's what some people call it flexible schema or dynamic schema. So uh, 
so you, you in this work work session i i think it was um uh you, we we plan like a, an e-commerce site so a document database behind an e-commerce site so so you know you have some things that are transactional but then you have some things uh that are uh, uh, like a product catalog and so on and uh and then yeah then we go through like how and when you when you had comments would you store comments as an array into the article or are they like separate records in the database in a relational database it would of course always be separate because you have to normalize but then in a document database you can choose and so so you get into these kind of discussions and i i, I actually now when i Remember it. I, I did like always giving this session, but it was especially good in a MySQL-oriented Percona Live. Yeah, this was before you. People. This was before you supported MongoDB, by the way. So right. there, there were no like MongoDB users at the conference. They were just uh -huh. curious to learn about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing I remember of that time, I was uh, I was upgraded uh, in in the hotel where uh, where I was staying for for Percona Live. Uh, and I, I was really pissed because I think I was I was arriving late and I had to go to the session early in the morning. So I was basically staying in the hotel like six hours. I, I felt it was like a bad oh. a bad timing to, to get a really nice room with an upgrade when I was stay, only staying for a few hours. Yeah, and I mean that always is a is a pain because you know you you want to enjoy that 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 perk and you yeah. don't get them that often. Uh, no. But you had another interesting experience at MongoDB, and I'm going to diverge just a little bit. You actually got the opportunity to onboard one of the great MySQL engineers of our time, ah. right? Right, Mark Callahan, um, who I saw on your your Twitter. You know, like you were kind of his onboarding buddy, or you you, you helped you know onboard him. That that had to be a weird experience. Yeah, I, I think in in Twitter I, I wrote like I'm uh, this week I'm mentoring Mark Callahan in in database performance no less, uh, yes, or or benchmarking MongoDB or something. Yeah, uh, uh, th that was actually that, that was a highlight of of MongoDB. I, I was it, it was in the past year, so I, I was uh, already considering looking at other jobs, uh, but then I heard that you know Mark was applying uh, for my team, especially because I was on the performance team. So of course I had to stay. Uh, we, uh, we, we had a, a lot of fun uh, that year, I think, in the, in the team. Uh, there were, yeah, there were the two of us and, and my boss, uh, David Daly. And uh, uh, I, I certainly, so I, I would say we had a reasonably good performance uh, practice uh, at that point. And, and we, had, uh, we had a lot of tooling at uh, automated testing. Uh, nightly performance tests and analyzing them. And we, we even published some papers, which we can talk about uh, next. Uh, and and for the, which version is it now? 4.4 is the yeah. next one, mm -hmm. uh, which came out uh, a year ago, almost. Um, I, I wrote some tests uh, with, uh, with Sysbench to uh, to capture like more like disk-bound performance issues in the storage engine, and yeah. I did. And and even when my issues had been fixed, you know, Mark swooped in with his, uh, you know, he he kind of brought his own toolkit with him, just adapted it for MongoDB, and he found just more issues. Uh, it was quite amazing to to see. You were doing. Yeah, Mark. And, Mark is yeah. really smart, right? He is yeah. really intelligent. Yeah, but uh, but it, uh, it was certainly. Uh, Privilege, and we we kept in in touch actually since uh, since my MySQL days. So uh, so there was like both a 
the friendship and of course he, he's kind of very generous also in mentoring me to be honest like <laughs> it was maybe at, at least as much that way and, and uh, also like supporting and elevating people he works with so it was a great time yeah I, my 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 i have a i have a mark callahan story that i'll tell real quick i remember when i first met him it was at a no sequel conference in portland oregon and he lives in bend which is over um the mountain right so you have to right. actually go over um you know a mountain to get to bend but it's uh maybe about a three-hour drive and uh he he you know said oh you know I and we had known of one another just based on like blogs and and maybe exchange some things at different times. But, uh, you know, he, you know, he, he asked what I was doing. I'm like, oh, I'm going to be here this week and then I'm going to go to Bend. And he goes, oh, I live over there. And he said, what flight are you on? Maybe we'll be on the same flight. And I go, oh, I'm just going to drive over. And this is October. And he's like, you're going to drive over the pass. And I'm like, yeah, what's the pass? And he's like, is it even open? You know, and I'm like, what do you mean? Is it even open? He goes, do you have tire chains for the snow? And I'm like, it's like October 1st. They're like, what do you mean snow? And he's like, yeah, you might want to check. And he, he pulled up, I think it was on his phone, a picture, like a, like a webcam picture where they, the, the uh, state has cameras along the highway right. of, you know, different places on the mountain. And the, the, they have one of the freeway of the, the highway. And it was completely white. And he goes, yeah, you're not going to be able to, to do that probably really easily. He goes, but if you get stuck, I, I can come on my four-wheeler and pick you up, I guess. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm like, oh, so I actually changed my flight. But yeah, I, I'll always remember him like, you know, warning me of the past before I got stuck on a mountain and, and couldn't get to, you know, where I had to go the next week. So that, that, was, uh, that was very good of him. I think even in Finland, where we do have snow, uh, maybe in October, uh, I wouldn't have expected it. So I, I could have done the same mistake, to be honest. Uh, yeah, it was a three-hour drive. Why take a plane, right? Um, right. Anyway, so it, uh, yeah, it was it was a funny thing because he looked at me like you know I was crazy. <laughs> so, but after Mongo, you've you've moved on to Data Stacks, and that's where you are now. Tell us about that. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, so it was time uh, for for new challenges, and uh, uh, for the, I, I was also. Considering maybe doing non-database stuff, but uh, uh, I have a kind of friend from, let's say, blogging and OSCON and, and other open source uh, circles, uh, Sam Ramji, uh, heard about it. And he was like, Henrik, uh, why aren't you interviewing with database companies? And then uh, I noticed that uh, there have been like a lot of change in data stacks recently and uh, it's an opportunity to join uh, what, what we are doing now. And um, also changed uh, from from being an engineer to engineering manager again, which I've done also earlier in my career. So kind of swinging back and forth. Um, DataStax uh, this year has been quite different. So, uh, for example, DataStax is a distributed company, just like the MySQL ecosystem uh, typically companies are. So I'm, I feel like I'm more back home, uh, you know, in a working from home setting. It's, uh, um, Datastax has been doing it for 10 years. It's not related to COVID or anything. Uh, we, we have a lot of engineers, like a third of engineers are around Europe as well. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, why, why not? And, um, and, uh, but it, it was still, uh, an American company. So actually I'm, 
I'm the first full-time manager in in Europe. So so previously, oh, really? uh, pre- previously, you know, we have some really smart engineers across Europe, uh, but but they were always reporting to to some uh, manager in uh, in the US, or uh, like there were team leads uh, in in Europe. But uh, so so I. I, I feel like uh, you know a lot of the value I bring to the company is just spend time talking with people because you you don't need to have that you know f- four o'clock meeting, which is the only hour you have together with Silicon Valley people. Uh, it is so, so important so, you know, to connect with people, yeah. right? Especially in the remote company, to have someone yeah. who understands not only the cultural aspects of it, but yeah. just to be there. Yes. So, so that's like my main job is to spend time in, uh, especially when I started, I, I sometimes had like two hour one-on-ones if somebody had a lot to talk about and to, to understand also more like not just, you know, which Jira tickets do you do today, but the people's career aspirations, they want to work on some other aspect of the database and so on. So uh, I do care a lot about that. And uh, then of course we have the strategic shift. So uh, uh, in, in the past year, we've, uh, We've actually gone a bit uh, in the opposite direction compared to many other database companies recently. So, so Datastax some years ago uh, went into a more closed source strategy, and uh, uh, it, um, th- there were maybe some some benefits to us as well. But uh, but the current position is that we we regret those years, and, and now we are busy going uh, back to to working, and have been for a year working closely upstream with Apache Cassandra. And, uh, I'm, I'm also leading a project now where we uh, we are porting and open sourcing a lot of the work we did in the past three years uh, in, in LSM storage engine and uh, uh, compaction strategy and uh, uh, one, uh, one Cassandra enhancement proposal that's already public is uh, our new uh, SAI index type, which is pretty cool and, uh, and it's uh, LSM storage engines are are known to kind of be good for write heavy workloads, but actually it turns out it's still a difficult problem to have secondary indexes in an LSM index because you you easily end up doing some kind of read before update or, or something else which slows you down. And we, we actually have a, a really innovative. So I'm, I I, I mean I, I didn't do any of it, but I'm still proud to, <laughs> to get to be part of the team and and just you know supervise the the open sourcing of of these features into Cassandra. So with the LSM indexing um, changes, is that something that's going to be applicable to other, you know, LSM based projects? I mean, like, for instance, the rocks storage engine. uh, Yes, uh, definitely could be. Uh, Of course, Cassandra code is Java, so uh, you'd have to write it in C++. But uh, I I think the the way we are doing it is... uh, is in uh, there is another MySQL person, uh, Kostya, as we know him, uh, Konstantin. Uh, I forget his last name. Is it Osipov? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, he, in Tarantul, they they did something similar, which uh, which basically is like uh, kind of like lazily. So so enable you to do blind rise to secondary index, and and of course it's. It's always about trade-offs. So, so just like LSM, uh, you know, postpones work from the write phase, and you have to do more work in the read phase. 
in, in this kind of secondary index is actually the same. So so it just makes the read even more expensive, but it keep it, it does maintain the good write performance when you update the index. So it is really cool. And that's why databases are always a trade-off. You you have, you know, the performance of writes versus the performance of reads, you know, transactions yeah. versus analytical workloads. I mean, and I think that's why there's so many different databases now. You have all these little purpose-driven data bases that fit a specific workload in a lot of cases. I, I, I sometimes when I explain this um, in, in conference talks and so on, I, I, I think a good way to explain it is that uh, actually, you know, for some workloads, database performance is really easy because if you have a read-only workload, you could just add all the indexes you need and you'd have great performance for any query. And if you have a write-only workload and you never need to read the data back, you could also, also have great write performance because you can just kind of write the data into a file. And, and the only problem is when you need both reads and writes, and then, then you need to start balancing these trade-offs. And, and that's uh, that's where you get, get the database. You expert. know, I've often said, if you just remove all the users, databases would be awesome. Any database would be awesome if you just didn't have any users, right? Like, yeah. you're so, so fast, so fast. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you mentioned DataStacks going through this this opening up of you know a lot of their code. That's the exact opposite of what we are seeing in the industry right now, and from a lot of right. other companies. What do you think is driving like the opposite trend? Like, I'm really worried about it personally. Um, to some extent, to be honest, I, I think it's uh, it depends on also belief systems. So. The, even if these companies, you know, these decisions are made by board members or CEOs, venture capitalists, or uh, on on both sides, and and they would like to think they are rational uh, business decision makers, but depending on who is in charge, you you go one way or the other. And uh, at, at DataStax, we are we are lucky to have people who who have worked previously also in companies who were. Um, more understood the value of, of open source and communities much more. Uh, some other companies even say uh, quite clearly that uh, ah, this is just a marketing strategy for us and we, we're not doing it. Like the community isn't doing anything here other than using it. Yeah. And uh, so it's a different... Uh, people come to, to these companies with their belief systems and... and that kind of sets the uh, the direction. Uh, I, I think uh, another thing to to remember is uh, uh, so uh, so now when when we talk about, for example, other other database companies, they quite clearly blame uh, one or more public cloud vendors for taking money that they feel belongs to them. And, and the truth is that you know it's it's not an open source specific problem. Like the world is full of small startups who are getting less money than, than Amazon and Microsoft and Google. And you know <laughs> you can true. choose whichever license you want. You you're never gonna you know only a few companies ever grow that big and successful. That's just the way the world works. And uh, so I, I I always try to remind people that you know this has nothing to do with open source. You can look at these other companies. They are struggling as well because it's it's hard to have a startup and get customers and, and grow. Well, and I think it's you know it's interesting. And I have some issues on the databases as a service side with cloud providers, but I'm going to leave that aside for a second. Um, 
because I think that the cloud providers and what they've enabled this generation of developers and businesses to do has actually transformed and generated a lot more opportunities for not only database companies, but software companies around the world to be more successful. Like we have a boom in the number of SaaS companies, the number of technology companies. I mean, you name it. And there's so many people who have been enabled by the cloud. It's kind of like the early days of open source, right? So if there was no LAMP stack, there would be no Facebook. There would be no Twitter. Right. right. Those those technologies enabled that. And now having access to, you know, start small and scale up in the cloud has enabled, I think, a new generation of developers. So it's the same for data centers, I would say. It's it's like the LAMP stack, but for for the whole stack, including the hardware. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I remember that was my uh uh my few years working with the Galera guys and uh uh that, that was when I first started using Amazon as well, public cloud, and how transformative it was that, you know, with, with the credit card, even as a private person, I, I could have a database cluster on three continents. You know, that would have cost like millions just a few years earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, my first experience with Amazon was actually with Monty Taylor. So we were uh, doing a, you know, consulting gig um, right. I think it was for MTV, like the music television network. Okay. We were in California. Yeah, and back when they still did uh, music videos. Yes. Back when they still did music. See, like this is like ancient times, right? And people yes. are like, they did music? What is that what the M stands yeah. for in MTV? Uh, yeah. No, it's not. Because, because YouTube hadn't been invented yet. Right. YouTube hadn't been invented yet. And so we were there and they were doing some work with uh, EC2 and one of their game trailer, you know, subsections and websites. Uh, and, and it was like, whoa, what is this? And he's like, oh, it's going to be all the rage. And yeah, of course, Monty being Monty, he was very excited about it. And um, then he took me to a really expensive, fancy dinner afterwards, which is, you know, kind of his thing, right? That, that um, tends to happen. Yes, with Monty, that that that, that tended to happen. But uh uh, so, I, you know, it's been an evolution for them and, and all cloud providers, but it's it really has enabled more revenue for these big companies that are out there than 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 others. So it's it's a right. it's an interesting kind of like they're dependent on cloud providers, but they also want to blame them. Yes, it's it's kind of a very narrow, narrow point of view, I would say. But I think the one thing that I'm most interested in is how do we continue this innovation, right? So I am worried about like the changes to licensing and the changes to to some of this. I'm worried that it's going to stifle the innovation around some of the open source projects. So I'm glad to hear that Datastax is opening up more things. Um, I don't have necessarily an issue with proprietary software or open core. I think pure open source is going to win. Um, and that's just my right. philosophy, but, uh, I do have a problem when people kind of fake open source, um, as I like to say, uh, yeah. but I'm really worried that the innovation is going to, you know, kind of start to trickle, you know, you're, you're going to start to see that, that, that deadening of that innovation. How can people get involved in contributing to whether it's Cassandra or, you know, some things that maybe Datastack's doing? or other open source projects. You've been around this space for a really long time. Where can people get started? 
That's a uh, th that's a good question to to discuss. Uh, I, I should say I'm I'm not that worried personally. We we should remember that we are actually living in a in an age where there is a just an endless amount of open source software. I, I remember when I wrote my book before I uh, worked for MySQL, I wrote a book about open source, and and it's not even very thick. It has like two hundred pages or something. But I felt that, like this book covers the entire open source industry, like you know, from Red Hat to MySQL to everything. Uh, and and now you know, imagine if you'd had to write a book about all the open source that there is, like it, you know, you you couldn't do it uh, for a it long. It requires time. an Arctic, you know, like vault where GitHub's going right. to store all your, your yeah, stuff exactly. Like, like uh, you you need to put it in a mountain, uh, even just to cover the code and. Uh, so, so it's it's kind of natural that uh, it's kind of natural that when we have so many people trying open source, some people will also go away. And but but it, that's not. Uh, it's actually mostly happening in the database industry, which is another in, interesting discussion. But uh, but uh, I, I wouldn't be that worried in general. And then there are companies like DataStax who, uh, uh, to be honest, it was also a motivation to work for DataStax, saying that oh, like. You are go doing more open source and going in that direction. So maybe I would want to work uh, work there. You know, Percona, I know employs many such people as well because Percona was always committed to, to open source as well. So it's not uh, it's not like we don't have those options uh, for for those people who, who feel it's important. So so back to your question, how to contribute. Uh, Cassandra is a, is a Java ecosystem, like many Apache projects. Uh, so, so it's a, it's an Apache project. Uh, what to, um, the good uh, good suggestion? What how to get involved in open source is to work on something you're interested in. So, so typically, uh, so for example, I am now a manager, and uh, recently, uh, some weeks ago, I've, I've launched a. a a small personal open source project on, on GitHub, uh, which is uh, called to to draw graphs from the Jira API, you know, oh, because okay. that's what engineering yeah. managers do, and uh, and nobody enjoys it, but it's my job now. So I'm trying to to make my life easier by by creating better uh, reports and graphs. So so we, so which is driven purely from a need I, I have in my current job, and I'm sharing this code. So uh, so. It, but sometimes uh, it's good to remember that you don't always need to create new projects. It's actually good to look around first, you know, if, because maybe somebody else already did the project that you need. You can use it, and then maybe you can add uh, add something to it eventually. So, so I, I think uh, th this is like a good way to start. Uh, I, which I think is better. It's better to have this kind of motivation uh, rather than uh, saying that you know. I want to become an open source developer. I, I would want it to say on my CV that I contributed to some project. So maybe maybe some people do it that way as well, but uh, I've always found it good advice. So from practical point of view, then uh, you know if you come to Cassandra or some other project, uh, typically uh, typically if projects are prepared to uh, to receive uh, new contributors, they might maintain a list of like low-hanging fruit or, or good uh, beginner uh, issues or 
I, th- I think, uh, yeah, I think on GitHub they have some label like "Good for Beginners," and uh, so so you should look for those. And um, and in the best case, they might even have people who who are uh, actively, you know, mentoring a newcomers so uh, to have a good experience. Yeah, I want to plug a few uh, a few projects. Uh, Cassandra, of course, is the, the foundational project. Uh, for data stacks, uh, just uh, was it yesterday, day before yesterday, we uh, we announced that we are now also in in the Pulsar community. So we've hired uh, some Pulsar committers recently. This is a, a streaming, uh, an Apache project as well, streaming solution. Uh, and uh, and then around Cassandra, we we actually have some kind of spin-off projects, uh, which uh, which are separate projects. So. Kate Sandra, K8, like in Kubernetes. For, mm-hmm. So it's, it's our Cassandra distribution for Kubernetes deployments. Uh, and, and we have a, also a cool new project, uh, Stargate, uh, which, uh, which is actually based on Cassandra code. So if you, those who know about how Cassandra works, there is a coordinator component. So we took the coordinator out. So, so, uh, it's actually now similar to the MongoDB architecture or uh, or MySQL NDB cluster, where where you have separately a front end node doing the query processing, and then you have uh, a back end uh, nodes doing holding the data. So so Stargate uh, in Stargate we have enabled uh, new a- HTTP based APIs, including my favorite, the Document API. So so now uh, you know, and I, I had no idea about this when I joined DataStacks. I thought I was leaving the document databases behind, and uh, seven months later, it's like, oh, we have a GA release. Uh, you can store JSON documents in, in Cassandra. <laughs> so uh, that was exciting. Uh, I was part of the release day. It was a good day in December. So uh, yeah, Th- those are if if you are interested particularly in projects I'm uh, involved in now. That's like the landscape. Okay, cool. And one of the things that I think that people don't realize, you mentioned that get involved in something that you care about or that you're passionate about. Sometimes that starts with just blogging or a yep. training or, you know, going to, you know, some event or, you know, doing a video on YouTube. Um, Documentation is, is the, the most valuable contribution you can do. Like if yep. you come to a relatively new open source project uh, and you find there is no documentation, but hey, I figured out how to use this, maybe like by reading source code or past trial, trial or error. So, hey, I, I wrote down what I did. So the next person can actually read my documentation and have an easier time. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's one of the most valuable contributions you can do to, to open source projects. And it's the really the easiest to get involved with, especially if you're already yeah. using the product and you like it. Yep. Well, Heinrich, let me leave you with this question. Okay. You've okay. been around the database space for longer than I have. What do you see as, you know, where's. I'm where, not sure that's we, true, by the way. I think it is. When did you start at MySQLAB? 2008, January. Two days oh. before the Sun acquisition. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I got you beat by like, like, like a year. Uh, yeah, and the open source database space. Okay, so you've been around as long as I have. Okay, let's just say that. Yeah. What What do you see now as as a trend that you know, like people should take notice of that you think is going to continue to gain popularity in the next year? I mean, 
you know, is there, is there a project or two, or maybe like, you know, you know, the, the, the evolution of something that you're starting to see and take notice of? Yes. Um, as a database user, uh, I, I think there are a few interesting questions. It's, uh, you know, we are still having these choices between relational database, NoSQL one. Uh, some people are passionate about the SQL language. Some definitely don't want to use it. Uh, want alternatives, uh, flexible schema, and so on. I'm I'm in that camp for sure now. Uh, I can say it because we we offer a solution for it. As well. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you would the, say it either way, but yeah, uh, and and uh, also from a scaling point of view, the. It's interesting. So, so-called NoSQL based databases nowadays often offer offer a SQL-like query language, mm -hmm. but the relational databases still are very single node. Uh, not, don't necessarily offer good sharding. Speaking of of MySQL and Postgres in particular, so it's surprising that you know one has evolved to cover the features set of the other, but the old school databases is surprisingly hard to get. You know, scalable cloud-native architecture, if you will. Uh, so, so those are, I think, those are typically what what users look for: is uh, scaling, high availability, and uh, the API that you choose for. Maybe uh, in in our uh, strategy with Stargate, we're also going uh, from database-specific API to HTTP-based, or maybe in the future some other like gRPC or other standard protocol. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the, the interesting thing, if, if you use the Stargate APIs, you don't need a, a database driver at all. So you can just have your app connecting directly to, to the to REST API, let's say, uh, which is Cassandra. All right. Well, Heinrich, anything else you wanted to leave us with? Any final words of wisdom? Anything you want to, to plug, you know, uh, on data stacks? Um, feel free. Yeah, if, if you happen to be a developer internals of the database, you know, uh, feel free to send me a message. Uh, we, uh, like I said, we, we have interesting projects contrib contributing upstream to Cassandra and then in the, in the query and API layer in Stargate. Great. Heinrich, it was great catching up with you. I appreciate you taking some time on a Friday evening for you. Um, it's, it's yeah, I, I still have more Jira work to do today. Oh, uh, never-ending Jira work. Yeah. All Thanks right, for right. contacting me. The, uh, it, was, it was good to catch up. Yes, indeed. Thanks. Wow, what a great episode that was. We really appreciate you coming and checking it out. We hope that you love open source as much as we do. If you like this video, go ahead and subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And of course, tune in to next week's episode. We really appreciate you coming and talking open source with us.